1: What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Cody and Derek here with you guys, bringing you another episode here. And guys, what we wanted to do before the NFL draft, draft's still a couple weeks out, but you know, the Colts have had some moves that they've made. They've made about 10 moves in total so far through free agency, You know, re-signing their guys, making some trades, making some free agent signings. We thought that we would rank those 10 moves the Colts have made so far And again, this is before the NFL draft is happening. So there's going to be some more moves here in the near future. But we wanted to do one pre-draft. So Derek and I made two separate lists here. And I can tell you right now, we disagreed on some points. And we're going to get into those. It's going to be exciting. Uh, You you guys are going to have to tell us which moves you agree with um, the ranking wise. You know, whose list you like better? Choose mine. Uh, We'll we'll go into this at number 10. We'll start with 10. We'll work away all the way up to one. So, Derek, I'll let you start first, man. Which move out of these 10 not is is one you maybe dislike, but is your least favorite so far this offseason?
2: I just think it's the, it's the Doolin tender for me. I mean, obviously I rank it so low because of the fact that, you know, nothing's been done yet. Obviously the Colts with the tender, they're allowed to match any offer that uh, a team gets to uh, Ashton Doolin. Obviously that may come back to help them later on. Maybe it, uh, maybe Doolin will get a decent offer from a team and the Colts just won't pay him that uh so you know this is a move that's like okay the Colts at least have a chance to make a move but there's the still no uh prominent chance that he actually does come back so you know it's the one move that like there's just no clear end in sight at the moment so that's why it's so low for me
1: all right fair enough um I would say for me, number ten, and this is probably going to already start to get controversial, is the signing of Brandon Face on because I mean, let's be honest, Derek. This guy really hasn't played much. He hasn't started much in the NFL. Now he may turn out to be a starter, and he may turn out to be a really good player. Um, we don't know, but you know, I'm just kind of looking at his you know stats overall and and just his starting experience. I mean, it's really nothing to get me super excited about. Um And I do think the Colts still need to go address. I think he's, in my opinion, I think he's a nice number four corner. I don't view him as a number two or a number three, in my opinion. So I think the signing, certainly with getting rid of Rocky Sin um, in the trade that you had, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, here soon, um, you know, it makes that signing more important. But just as a player, I was just kind of like, eh. You know, I would have rather gone for a guy like Casey Hayward if I'm being completely honest, as opposed to a guy like Brandon Faison. But I mean, Faison is younger and he is relatively cheap, so I don't know. This signing to me was just kind of meh. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I gotcha. All right, let's move on now to number
2: nine. All right, nine for me is the Tyquan Lewis resigning. Uh, the only reason I have it is so low is because you know, again. Lewis has struggled with injuries throughout his career. I'm not saying that I don't think he can still be a good player. I just think that uh, when it came to, you know, all the defensive linemen, you could have potentially re-signed and still may potentially look to re-sign. You know, you still have other options out there. But, um, you know, I thought Lewis being re-signed, I thought it was a good move. Um, I definitely thought we should have brought him back because the potential for him is still there. But that's number nine for me.
1: All right, so number nine for me was the re-signing of Zaire Franklin, and I'll tell you why. I mean, he's a good player, special teams captain, but I don't know. It was just because kind of for the price, I didn't really like how much you gave him necessarily. I get it. Special teams matters. We've said that all along, but I don't know. I just was kind of like, I mean, it's fine to bring him back, but I didn't really, that wasn't a move compared to some of these other moves that I was like, he's really going to make a major impact you know, when it comes to being on the football field, right? He's the captain, obviously, and everything like that. But I don't know. I just was kind of like, I mean, it's fine. But I guess I didn't potentially like paying that linebacker that much to play special teams, if that makes sense, and be a spot starter. So I think that's probably why I was kind of like, eh, it's fine. You know, I wasn't I like in love with it. It wasn't a home run re-signing or anything like that. I mean, I was certainly happy they brought him back. but. I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, compared to and, and again, hear me out, people. I'm not saying that this is a battery signing or anything like that. I just think compared to some of the other players and the impact I feel like they're going to have on this team, I just felt like Zaire Franklin was kind of like, and eh, whatever, you know,
2: gotcha. Number eight here for this one. And that's Zaire Franklin for me here. Um, I know I get the whole point of, you know, paying him $4 million a year for that it was still, it might seem like a lot. Um, but I think that we got lucky with, you know, our linebackers staying healthy last year, even though they were hurt a lot of last year and Zaire really only had to play one game specifically on defense. And, you know, he showed that not only was he able to, you know, play in that, but he was also able to thrive with EJ speed and Bobby Okereke as well. So, you know, he showed his value on defense and then, like I said, with all these defense with all the special teams guys that you've been losing, right? You lost Matthew Adams this last week. Uh, You lost George Odom the week prior. You know, you there's no clear direction on if you're going to have Ashton Doolin. You know, I think Franklin just kind of goes up a few above some of these guys because Franklin is your special teams captain to go along with a defensive contributor potentially. And I think that with everybody you're losing, Uh, especially on the special teams unit, I think it is that important to keep Franklin around.
1: But are you okay with that price? I think it was three years for 18 million. So that's what 6 million per year for a guy like him. I
2: did not think it was that high. I thought it was 12 million, but uh, either way, uh, like I said, we got lucky with the, with the linebackers for the Colts actually, you know, staying primarily healthy all year long. And You know, unfortunately, we only had to worry about Darius Leonard missing one week due to COVID and, you know, all of those things. So, I mean, again, as as a guy that's going to be your main special teams contributor now, one of them, and then on top of it, you know, is probably going to play a little bit more of a a role in the defense that you have going for you at some point. I think that it wasn't a bad, uh, I don't think it was a bad thing. That they had that price. Is it a little too much? Maybe. But again, to secure one of your primary captains, I think that's important.
1: All right. To clarify, you were right. I don't know what okay. I was thinking. <laughs>
2: All three, I, I was hoping million. I was right. I was like, wait a minute. Hold on a like, second.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was like thinking of some other contract. Well, I, don't I think know. you're thinking
2: weird. of Moali Cox's contract or something Probably. close to it.
1: That's probably right. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to keep all these contracts straight. Sometimes, yeah, I know so. we
2: sometimes have forgotten what the contracts are because it's just like, man, it seems so bland at the time being.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know that's not too bad, I guess. Maybe I take back a little bit of my comments because it's four million dollars for a guy that special teams captain, and you know, you know, he can play some spot duty at Sam linebacker too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would agree with you there. You know, maybe I don't dislike the move as much as I initially thought because I thought the price was different, <laughs> but. All right, let's move on to, oh, I didn't even get yeah, you get, didn't get your right.
2: number eight. What's your number eight?
1: So my number eight is actually the re-signing of Tyquan Lewis. I flip-flopped with you here, and I think the reason I did that is because I get the injury. Like, that is a serious injury for Tyquan Lewis. But I would argue, Derek, he was at, when he was healthy last year, he was the best defensive end the Colts had. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that, and I think I could make a legitimate argument. I mean, Chris Ballard has talked up, Tyquan Lewis. Now, I don't think he's going to necessarily be a starter. I mean, maybe he is technically a starter. And then, you know, like Yannick Ngakwe comes in on third downs or something like that. But I think he's a key part of what this defense wants to do. And you know, the big question is, can he come back from that injury and perform at that level that he was at last year? I mean, he was tearing it up, man. He was having games where he was just absolutely on fire. And so, um, if he can continue to grow and ascend and come back from this injury, I really feel like he's the guy that could earn um, a, a bigger extension with this with the Colts team this next offseason, because I think he's so valuable to what they want to do. Now I get it. You could maybe label him a bust, but I think out of all the second round picks that you've invested at defensive end, he's been your best player that you've gotten, you know, your, your return for your draft capital there. He's always been a solid player. And I think he's starting to turn into a really good player for this team. So if you can have a solid rotation of three, four guys at defensive end, you know, throwing in Quiddy and also Dio, I mean, that is a recipe for success on this team. You know, we all know how much the Colts want to rotate defensive linemen in, keep them fresh, things like that. Um, And I think also with, you know, the addition of Gus Bradley uh, and Nate Ollie, the new defensive line coach, I think this could potentially be, if he can come back and be fully healthy and play at the level, I think he could even step it up to another level, honestly, because we saw what, you know, Gus Bradley and his scheme did for guys like Max Crosby and other defensive linemen, you know, who really stepped up their game and took it to another level. And so I'm really excited. I think nobody's really talking about it, but I think that Gus Bradley effect could have a really positive effect on a guy like Taquan Lewis, who was already starting to come into his own a little bit. And now I think can continue to ascend. I think that's why I put him over Zaire Franklin, just because I felt like he was one of the best players when he was healthy last year on this defense. And I feel like if he can, now, with a new defensive coordinator, he could even step it up, and this could be a quality re-signing, like yeah. better than we're even thinking right now. Um, I really truly believe that, but it all will hinge again on if he can stay healthy. Right. So, he, for me, is my number eight. Let's move on to number seven here, Derek. What do you have here?
2: Uh, I have the Moali Cox extension. Uh, yeah. So, the only reason I had this this high is due to the fact that what they actually did pay for him uh when you look at some of the other tight ends that were uh signed throughout this whole free agency period so far you know we've we've talked a lot about the tight end free agent groups and some of the guys that we even wanted on this team signed for a lot less money than what the Colts gave moali Cox right so y- you try to think okay the, with the retirement of Jack Doyle right you were kind of put in a desperate spot where you felt that you needed to re-sign one of your tight ends. You had to make sure Moali Cox came back because if you didn't, then all of a sudden you're going to have to restructure your draft plan. You have to restructure your free agency plan all around that position. So the Colts put themselves in a bad situation with that. And of course, I think they paid just a tad bit too much for Moali Cox. That's why I have this move so low. But then again, I think with the signing of Matt Ryan, I think that this could potentially turn into, I'm not saying it's a bad move. I think that Mo'Ali Cox this year could really benefit from a guy like Matt Ryan who knows when to get him the football in the red zone, could potentially you know, have those throws that went sometimes missed. It, i could i re- refer back to 2020 with Philip Rivers and Moali Cox you know they had a pretty decent relationship with each other in the red zone even though i felt like that was still severely underutilized i felt like this one with mo, with Matt Ryan will really help mo to utilize his game a lot more again i i still question the potential of Moali Cox i think it could be higher but at the end of the day that's where i'm at
1: My question with Mo is, like, has he reached his peak? We don't know. You know, I would have said last year, you know, after this last season, I would have said, yeah, he reached his peak because it just seems like he shows flashes. But, okay, again, how much do you put on Mo? How much do you put on the quarterback situation? I mean, really, with everybody. I mean, but you can throw in the argument, you know, Michael Pittman, for example, he ascended even with the question marks at quarterback. So, yeah, it will be interesting for sure. But I think for me, I'm going to actually go – And I'm going to talk now about Ashton Doolin. And I think the reason is, what have you done at wide receiver at this point, Derek? You know, like what in the world have you done to address this? I think you're going to get a couple guys in this draft for sure. There still are guys out there like, you know, bringing back T.Y. Hilton or signing Julio Jones or signing Jarvis Landry. There's still a few names out there in the wide receiver market. But I think right now with... How much Doolin helped you last year in, you know, special teams, obviously, you know, he led, led the NFL in special teams tackles. He was really good in that department, but also as a receiver, I I mean, I think just giving Matt Ryan, a guy that can just burn player, you know, can just go down and burn some guys. Ashton Doolin right now, I think is your best option because he showed that ability last year to do that. So. Um, I like this resigning because I think you're going to get him for very cheap, and I think he's a quality player that deserves, in my opinion, deserves a lot more snaps than he got last year. And again, I'll admit, I probably am a little bit biased because we all know and you know, Derek, how much I like Ashton Doolin, how much I feel like he deserves more of an opportunity. Yeah. So I just think for that, you you know, now you get the option with this tender to match any deal. And I really don't think there's going to be a team that's going to go pay Ashton Doolin a couple million. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think
2: I don't think that is uh, true. I don't I don't believe so. I mean, there might be a team that might consider it due to the fact that, again, the potential is there for a guy like Doolin. You know, I mean, again, I, I said it last year, several times towards the end of the year that, you know, I was wrong about Ashton Doolin. I felt that, you know, in limited snaps, especially towards the end of the season, you know, how good he played, uh, for a struggling QB like Carson Wentz. And then you now have a guy like Matt Ryan that can utilize Doolin's set a little bit more and his vertical ability. You know, I think Matt Ryan can still do that. And, um you know, especially for special teams, you know, the, the guy, if you did resign him, he's going to be your number one, uh, special teams guy. I mean, he is the one now. So, you know, I, I certainly hope the Colts get him back. Uh, just again, I'm just wondering the reason why I had that one so low is because again, that move hasn't been official yet. So I just don't know, like if I would want to put him higher than seven.
1: Sure. So I realized in this process, Derek, that we forgot to mention one player, Armani Watts, who the Colts uh, Mm -hmm. brought in uh, another safety, more special teams. If you had to add him to this list, where would you, I personally would have him outside of the top 10. I'd probably have him at 11. Uh, Where would you put him though in this list? Because I'm sure you're not going to put him ahead of some of the other players we're going to talk about.
2: Yeah. um, I would probably, I'd probably end up putting him at 10 or 11. For me personally, just due to the fact that, you know, again, it's safety depth um, and there's just not there's not a ton to go off of with a Marty Armani Watts, because, you know, his fourth round pick four years ago, you know, he's been a, a primary, you know, role player. So that's where I would put him at.
1: Yeah, and again, that that shows you how little we think. I mean, maybe he'll be a great special teams player, but you know, it's like we almost forgot about Armani Watts. Like, mm-hmm. and I want him to go out and prove us prove prove us wrong. Excuse mm-hmm. me. So, all right, let's continue here. I think now we are at number six. Yes. So, what is your number six favorite move the Colts have made so far in free agency?
2: Uh, that's going to be Brandon Face on for me. Um, I, I've I've been sold a little bit on some of the uh, tape that I've seen from face on, you know, I know he's a still a young guy and still has, you know, some things that needs to work on. Obviously I don't see this being more than a, uh, a depth signing, but then again, you know, the Colts really haven't made a lot of moves at cornerback at this point. So, you know, you're, you traded away your number one, your are number one corner on the outside for uh, Yannick Ngakwe that, you know, now you have that hole to fill Does face on end up being that, you know, number two outside corner. You know, it's going to be a good question. Um, but again, face on has a lot of the uh, intangibles that you want in a corner is obviously familiar with Gus Bradley's defensive scheme. So that really helps. Um just and I, I think you and I are both in agreement so the Colts need to do something at corner to try to improve that group even more. Uh so obviously face not going to be the long-term solution, at least we think that's true. But again, I, I think face on is, you know, deserves a little bit more credit. I think that the signing itself made sense. Uh, and I think that face on could be a decent role player for us going forward.
1: I think the reason and maybe I can clarify because I'm sure there's people who are like, I can't believe Cody put Brandon Face on at number ten. I get that. But I think I kind of look at it as like I just don't view him as a starter. You know, if right. he is a starter and he plays well, all right, then I will eat my words. I will. But uh-huh. I just don't necessarily see him. I, I still feel like corner's a major need for this team, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think a Brandon faced on type of player. Is going to change your defense or really help your defense that much. You know, he's not going to be one of the like as good as your corners were last year, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. You can disagree with it. That's fine. But I think for me, Derek, number six for me has to be Rodley McLeod, the most recent signing from the Indianapolis Colts. Because look, I mean, you lacked depth at safety last year. Like you really botched the safety depth last year. Mm -hmm. Like I still, to this day, do not understand why Andre Shoshery was not, you know, did not stay with this team. I really do not understand that. And then you were stuck with a guy like Andrew Sandejo, 34 years old, you know, just wasn't a great player. I mean, he was 30, he was old and, just no thank you. You know, it was almost like it was an addition by subtraction when he was out of the game. You know, obviously it sucked when he got injured, but you know what I mean? Like, your your safety depth was just really bad. So I think bringing in a guy like McLeod, who, you know, 31 years old, I know he's a little bit older, but he's that vet presence back there. Your safeties are really young right now, Derek. I mean, you got Julian Blackman, you know, coming off that injury, and also you have Kari Willis, who's still very young. He was drafted only a few years ago. I kind of look at it as like, it's also Julian Blackman insurance. If he uh-huh. doesn't come back right away, you know, I think all signs are pointing to him doing so, but you know, if he doesn't, you still have a quality starter there. And you know, now you finally have some depth with him and I'm Ronnie Watts back there. And you don't have to address that in the draft, in my opinion, which is just one more thing to knock off of your needs list. So, I mean, he has that, that eight torn ACL, you know, that he suffered a few years ago which obviously, you know, you want to continue to monitor, but he was a captain with Philadelphia. Eagles fans were really torn up that they didn't bring him back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everything I've heard about Rodney McLeod, Derek, has been positive. Like yeah, Eagles yeah. fans love Rodney McLeod. So I think just from that signing alone, uh, just from just from hearing from different people, I love this move. I think it's a really, really solid move. You know, he may be, you know, your third safety. I think he probably will be, but he can step in in a pinch and you really won't lose as much as you would have last year. So he's yeah. for me is number six.
2: I got you. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's good for depth purposes and everything
1: else. All right. Number five for you. Uh,
2: number five. That's that. going to be McLeod for me. Um, yeah. I think that uh, McLeod, you know, again, an, an older, an older piece, obviously, and it's just going to be mainly depth, but we saw, just how thin the, the depth was for the Colts at safety last season. And, you know, Odom Odom did a very fantastic job at times of stepping in, you know, that Bill's game was phenomenal. I mean, he was outside of Jonathan Taylor. I think George Odom was actually the best player uh, for the Colts that day because, you know, stepping in doing what he did against Josh Allen and that offense and almost having three interceptions, Uh, Almost had four, actually. So, you know, he was all over the place. He had that one interception. Uh, You know, he did a fantastic job of stepping in. And there were other times when, you know, he came in, he played well against Arizona, you know, was obviously a special teams guy and, you know, it really helped. But Rodney McLeod, for me, is another one of those guys that, again, brings that championship pedigree to the locker room that the Colts are really trying to get at. I think... The common trend for a lot of this Cody has been guys that, you know, have been have been to that big stage and understand what it takes to get there, right? You're talking yeah. about some of the ho- the coaching hires they made, former players that have been there, done that, understand it. Some of these resigned guys and some of the uh, signings that they made, guys who have been there, done that. understand what it is because I mean, I think I can confidently sit here and say, Cody, that, You know, the locker room, this group, while it's knit tight and obviously these guys love each other, I think the locker room itself was not at the spot that the Colts originally thought it was at. I think that it was lacking some accountability and it was lacking some motivation and understanding of what needed to be done to get over hurdles. And I think that, you know, along with a guy like Rodney McLeod and some of these other guys they know what it means to, you know, have it mentally, right? And Rodney McLeod, you know, I think is a very, very serviceable um, safety because, you know, last season, I think he had like over 50 tackles, had a couple of turnovers as well for the Eagles, uh, even though that last season, it wasn't a great defensive season for the Eagles. Uh, So I think that's why I would have him as my number five, because I think that, the championship pedigree you he brings and, you know, everything else that goes along with it, just being a really good depth signing. I think that's what matters.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to double back on just what you had said a little bit. Cause those were my exact thoughts is like this team. They, I mean, <laughs> DeForest Buckner said it, they crapped the bed down the stretch the last two games, especially. Um, and you know, this locker room, you know, as much as they put an emphasis on it, it kind of failed the team, you know, the locker room kind of did. They didn't hold guys accountable. And I think a lot of times Carson Wentz was that scapegoat, but I mean, Carson Wentz isn't allowing Hunter Renfro to just completely kill them. He's not Mm -hmm. allowing Jacksonville to go down and Trevor Lawrence to be virtually perfect on that first drive. You need some accountability, especially on defense. And so, yeah, you get a guy like him, you know, who won't let that happen. You know, I think that's kind of been something we've took, you know, the guys that they brought in, they brought in Yannick Ngakwe, who's been a Pro Bowl player, who knows what it takes to get there. You know, they brought in a Matt Ryan, who is a championship guy that won't let that happen. Things that happened last season, the Colts are bound to determine Derek to not have that happen again, right? Because you think about it, if the Colts would have had, you know, a, a players players like this last year, sitting in the position they are with two games to go, I have the utmost confidence they would have made the postseason. Do you have that confidence too? Because I feel like they would have based off of how much they brought in in terms of accountability this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's all about when it comes to this, this group is still very, very young and still very inexperienced. And especially when you're talking about like playoff experience and what you need to get to that point. There's a lot of teams that have a lot of these young guys, but some of them have that experience that some of these Colts players just don't have. And, Going down the stretch, we saw the Colts break down because they didn't have leaders at certain places that needed to make sure that guys were being held accountable. And Darius Leonard tried everything he could. He's only one man. Can't always do everything by himself. You brought in these coaches that are going to teach these guys about that mentality. You brought in some of these guys that are going to be able to be in the locker room telling other guys what needs to be done. So, yeah, I think that this team as a collective mentality is going to be much better for this season.
1: All right. So we've done five of them so far. Now we'll move on to number four, number four for you, Derek, what would that be?
2: Number four for me is going to be the Matt Pryor re-signing. Um, I think that, you know, for as many offense alignment as you've had losing so far this offseason, you know, I mean, that's been a big issue for the Colts so far is depth at every position. But right now, Matt Pryor was somebody that you just felt like you had to re-sign because, you know, what we had no expectations for him going into this last year, you know, Most of us had no idea who Matt Pryor was. I had to even reach out to my guy, RB, to find out, you know, who is this guy? And, you know, he said he's just another depth piece for you guys. But then, like I said, multiple times for a span of like five weeks when Braden Smith was out with his uh, ankle injury, you know, he he was probably the best offensive lineman the Colts had for about five weeks uh, during that beginning part of the season. So, you know, it was really good to see Matt Pryor, you know, take initiative and, you know, go from a virtually a nobody that anybody never heard of before to, you know, being one of the most sought out uh, offensive linemen that the Colts had. And, you know, it's really great that the Colts were able to get him back on a relatively cheap one year deal. Uh, So I'm happy with it. And, you know, whatever their plans are for Matt Pryor, you can feel confident that, whatever position they need to put him in, he is going to be there and he's going to deliver.
1: Yep. All right. Uh, For me, number four has to probably be, um, I would say for me, number four has to be Mo Alley Cox. You know, I haven't talked about him yet, but you know, for the reasons that you kind of said, Derek, like, you know, with the market as crazy as it was, the fact that I think one thing you didn't mention that I want to talk about the Colts didn't have a quarterback at that point, or there was a lot of uncertainty at quarterback at that point. You had to bring them back because who's going to want outside free agents? Who's what, who who wants to come to a team that doesn't know who their quarterback is. So you get Mo Cox back at a pretty, you know, maybe overpaid slightly, but I think he almost had to at that point. Um, And you get him locked in for a couple of years. And now Matt Ryan has, you know, a tight end. He has two tight ends on the roster under contract. So you feel a little bit better about that. um, You know, on top of all the stuff that you already said about him. Uh, Number three, you know, I'm going to go Matt Pryor as well, and I'll let you get to yours here, but I just wanted to bounce off of your point about Matt Pryor. I mean, like, you could, I think, best case scenario, he pans out and he's your left tackle for the next number of years. Best case scenario, in my opinion, because I think he's going to get the first shot at left tackle. If he plays as well as he did at right tackle, I think certainly the Colts will feel comfortable extending him after this year for multiple years. Um, but I think worst case scenario, okay, he's a depth piece. You know, you move on from him maybe next year, maybe you re-sign him again as just a depth guy. Um, but I think for that reason, I mean, you look what you traded away, Derek, a seventh-round pick to get him, and he could potentially be your left tackle. I mean, I think that's just tremendous value there from Chris Ballard and company, and I think he's still going to be relatively cheap. He's still relatively cheap this year, and, you know, depending on how he plays, he could be relatively cheap down the stretch. And we'll see how he does at left tackle. But I really feel like this, uh, I like this move just because of how well he played. And now with the questions at left tackle, I mean, we were we were discussing this last season. Remember that. We were discussing should Matt Pryor, you know, when Braden Smith came back, we were like, should Matt Pryor be getting looks at left tackle? And, you know, Eric Fisher obviously continued to play there, kind of struggled. But now it's Matt Pryor's chance and opportunity to really seize the day and, and go and get paid potentially next season if he performs very well. Mm-hmm. All right. Who is your number three here? Uh,
2: the number your, your three, three move moves? that I have, uh, and that is the Carson Wentz trade. Right. Uh, I mean, I think that again, that was a that was a phenomenal, phenomenal trade that Balor was able to pull off. You know, we we understand that we're not getting that first round back, but again, to get the compensation that he got out of Wentz, I mean, it was a phenomenal trade when it happened because you know, the commanders obviously bit a lot more on them what they should have. Uh, you know, giving us back our third and then giving us a conditional third that could be a second next year, you know, and then also on top of it, taking all that, that contract. And so we don't have to pay for any of it. You know, help saving our cap situation a lot more than what we had. You know, I mean, that was a phenomenal trade. It was a shocker for sure. But obviously we've seen all the news about, uh, what Ursay's been saying about it. You know, they said it had to be done and, you know, they did it. And somehow Ballard found a way to just impress me once again with how uh, that trade went down because I did not expect anyone to give up that kind of compensation for Carson Wentz. And the fact that Ballard was able to get that out of the Washington Commanders, I'm impressed.
1: All right. Number three for me, I think I'm going to go with the Matt Ryan trade. And I love this trade, I'll say that. I love for the value of what you gave up, only a third-round pick this year, and you are able to get Matt Ryan. And, you know, you got him a lot cheaper than I thought you were going to get him, too, you know, because the Falcons are eating a lot of that dead cap. Um, But, you know, what can you say about him? I mean, his demeanor, just his presence in the locker room. I mean, I think it's fair to say the Colts upgraded at quarterback this season, and they really didn't have to do a whole lot. It's crazy, Derek, because you mentioned the Carson Wentz trade, which for me is number two. Um, but the fact is, you know, first off, the Colts should have never made that trade. I mean, I think we can all say that it was a bad trade at this point for the Colts, um, all things considered, considering what Ursa has said and all that stuff. Um, but it's amazing what the Colts were able to number one, you mentioned it, get for Carson Wentz, you know, a third round pick, you know, this year, um, you know, swap seconds, so you get a higher second round pick. So really you're only about 10 picks out of the first round this year and then a conditional third that could be a second next year. And oh, by the way, the contract that you, you know, they ate, they took all of it. They took all the contracts. So now you could go out there and you could make a few more moves in free agency and trades and stuff like that. And also what you gave up for Matt Ryan. I mean, you acquired in this Carson Wentz trade versus getting the better quarterback, and you still got more draft capital. So say what you want about, you know, the Carson Wentz trade last year. You know, it was a failure. We can all admit that now. But the Colts' cleanup job this year has been really, really fantastic, in my opinion.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, because you said you're three. Is your two the is your two now the Matt Ryan trade, or what would your number two be? My number two is Yannick
2: Ngakwe. Uh, Yannick okay. Ngakwe at number two. I've been saying it from, uh, you know, that defensive end was the position we had to make a move on and, you know, Ballard made a really good trade, you know, just a player for player trade gave up uh, one of our corners for, you know, a defensive end. Who's only going to be 27 still right at the edge of his prime. And, you know, has had 55 career sacks in six seasons, you know, only, uh, only a couple of guys in the NFL have been as efficient at rushing the quarterback, uh as Yannick Ngakwe over the last six years. I mean, you brought it up uh on a tweet that Yannick obviously uh brought up in his was that you know Yannick is what has the second most pressures uh by a defensive end in the last like five years uh of any defensive end in the entire NFL right now.
1: Oh, I'll pull it up. It's it's uh I know what it is. I just want to I don't want to butcher it here. Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. But yeah. It was super cool that Yannick first off, you know, quote tweeted it and said something. It was just like, Wow, like I already <laughs> like this guy already. So this is the tweet. It says only two players have had eight plus sacks in every season since 2016. Yannick and Gakwe and Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald. That's it. Yep. So he, <laughs> again, goes like to that. show
2: you like he doesn't Yannick's not going to be amongst the leaders in uh in sacks every year. It's not gonna be amongst the top, top guys, but You also feel confident that he is going to continue to get those sacks that are going to help down the stretch because, again, the Colts last season, terrible at getting after the quarterback. So Yannick immediately makes this defensive line group way better because now you're taking pressure off of DeForest Buckner a little bit more because now you know there is a guy on the edge that can get to the quarterback if you do not commit to him. You think Quiddy Pay now, uh Pay has room to grow in this second year. You could see Quiddy Pay might have a six, seven sack year. You match that with eight, nine sacks of Yannick, maybe even more. And then on top of it, that pressure you're gonna get up the middle with DeForest. That's gonna be huge. I love the pick. Um, I didn't think that uh I didn't love the fact that we gave up seam for it, but um again, like you and I have said several times. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is a defensive end in this uh, in this moment that we had right now. It is a much more desired and much more needed position to fill than what the corner position was for us because we still felt Kenny Moore was going to be good in the slot. We definitely think that Isaiah Rodgers can still build. You can go and get another corner to try and fill up that group. But that's why I had him in number two. And then for my number one, since we're already here, uh, the Matt Ryan trade for me was the number one for a lot of the reasons that you brought up is because, you know, the presence in the locker room, giving up only a third round pick for him and getting the Falcons to take a lot of that dead cap, uh, which was huge for us for contract purposes. I think that, again, he elevates the play. And then another thing that you didn't mention was the fact that now Matt Ryan gives you the freedom now to find out what your future plans are at quarterback. I think this is the move that you can say for two to three years, you can rely on this guy to be a great quarterback for you. Maybe won't be the most elite, but he's going to move your system the way Phillip Rivers did it give you some good uh give you some good play. He's not going to lose you a lot of games. He's going to probably win you some games as well. And then on top of it, gives you a chance to be flexible with how you want to address the long-term solution at quarterback whether that's drafting one, going and getting another one in free agency or trade that's a blockbuster one, I don't know. How it works, but that's just how I view it. And you know Matt Ryan now gives you the option to expand a few more things because before we mentioned it nobody wanted to come to Indianapolis because the Colts didn't have a quarterback. Now the, you can feel confident that you can make some moves and people will be like Oh, Matt Ryan's the quarterback of Indianapolis? Okay, cool. That's not bad. Matt Ryan's still a really good quarterback. The dude knows what he's talking about. He's a great leader. He's a great guy. He can definitely still ball. You know, it might have felt differently if they had Wentz or if they had nobody and they had no plan. So now the, the possibilities of Matt Ryan, I think, just makes it that number one play for me because Of the fact that not only what it gives you in the present, but what it allows you to now do with future signings and draft picks and other things like that, I think opens the floodgates so much more. And I'm I'm so happy that the Colts got Matt Ryan for a third round pick.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a great deal for the Colts to get a guy like Matt Ryan, who you mentioned can kind of be that bridge for whoever your future is at quarterback. But I think that right there, Derek, while it's super valuable and I agree with you on all those points, to me, number one has to be Yannick Ngakwe, because just look at how much you've tried to address this position and utterly failed. Yes, and fallen on your face. Year after year after year. And Yannick Ngakwe is not a placeholder, Derek. He is your present and your future at pass rush. Mm -hmm. Two most important things in football. Quarterback play and getting to the quarterback. Yes. And how many years, Derek, have we said what the Colts lack is consistent pressure. Off the edge. It's been at least like three or four years now. Ever since we've been doing this
2: podcast, it has continued to be a thing that we have said time and time again.
1: Every offseason at at the top of the needs list is pass rush every single year. Mm -hmm. It's about time to do something about it. And that's something that we said pre-free agency. I said, if Chris Ballard does not make a splash signing here or whatever it is, getting a star player, he's failed this organization in that way because you have tried to address it. I mean, you've gone second round pick, second round pick, you know, second round three second round picks on defensive ends. Then you go get, you know, last year you double dip in free agent or double dip in the draft. You get two guys but like they're still rookies. You can't just rely on them to take that next step. Right. You need a proven guy who has done it in this league that can strike fear in the heart of opposing offenses. Now the Colts getting Yannick Ngakwe. I get it. You had to pay a price, give away a corner. But like you mentioned, Derek, 10 out of 10 times, I'm taking a stud pass rusher versus a stud corner. I just am. Especially with how this system is, Derek. I mean, pass rush is one of the most indispensable positions in all of football. I mean, I think we can say that. Like, it is exponentially difficult, more difficult to find stud pass rushers as we have unfortunately seen over the years than it is for corners. I mean, heck, the Colts starting corners right now, you look at it, Kenny Moore, undrafted free agent, Isaiah Rogers, sixth round pick, branded face on, you know, you just signed him in free agency. I'm, I'm willing to bet he wasn't a first round pick. Or he wasn't, I that. think
2: he was a, he was, I think, third at the earliest.
1: Yeah, so you know what I mean? Like, and especially with how well Chris Ballard drafts, at DB, he has found all of his starters, none of them right now in the defensive back room have been drafted before the third round. None of them. Yeah. And Julian Blackman is the one, third-round pick. Kari Willis, Willis fourth-round is fourth pick. pick. Isaiah pick.
2: Rogers, Six. six Rock's team was a second, but it took him three years to get to the point where he was at.
1: So. Exactly. And so for that reason, I mean, I think – if Ballard learned anything this offseason and last season, the last couple seasons, hopefully, it's like sometimes you just don't, aren't as good at drafting certain positions as you are others. And I think that's the best thing I think Ballard has done this offseason because he, he finally understood, you know what, we've tried to, to address this in the draft, and we just have had mixed results. We like a few guys still, right? We brought back Tyquan Lewis, but we need an alpha in there. We need a guy that is going to help us out in the critical situations. Derek, I've tweeted this. I've said this so many times. I said, until the Colts fix their pass rush, they are going to continue to blow leads. What did they do last year? They blew leads.
2: Yeah, they did because they couldn't get pressure on the quarterback, and then that hurt the corners. I mean, again, the the great thing about it is, is that for pass rush Pass rush infinitely affects corner play more than corner play affects pass rush. It, yes. It's the truth. It's You can look it up. You can look at every metric. It doesn't matter. Everyone knows if you have a more efficient pass rush, it helps your corners because your corners are not on about maybe five to ten plays a game their your corners are not going to have to worry about the quarterback throwing the football as much but it'd be different if you had an elite secondary but if you had average at best pass rush it doesn't matter quarterbacks and quarterback play and how offense is run nowadays are just too good too good nowadays for corners to consistently Rely on just themselves, especially in a zone primary defense. To rely on the secondary to take over for the pass rush. It's just yeah. not how it's going to work. So it, it is. It was absolutely great that Yannick Ngakwe is back in the AFC South this time with Indianapolis. Again, I, I could definitely see you know him having uh ten, 10 potentially ten sacks again this season because. You know, again, some of the guys that he has on there. I tweeted about it the other day. If, if Dio becomes the main third down defensive tackle for us, my God, I cannot wait to see what that defensive line can do. A second yes. year Quiddy Pay, a second year Dio Adangbo, who's finally going to have a full off season to do everything that he wants. DeForest Buckner back to being healthy and Yannick
1: Ngakwe on the other side. That gets me really excited, man. Uh, And then you got Tyquan Lewis as well, who was your best defensive lineman. We already mentioned it, right? So, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, my goodness, it's about time we're excited for this defensive line. It is about (laughs) freaking time yeah, because we have seen miserable defensive end room
2: and we certainly hope that uh the new defensive line coach that we have signed is going to do a better job of filling uh the gap responsibilities for that um obviously we know brian baker was was terrible uh we're glad that he's gone because he obviously had some gripes against Kamoko guys like kamoko Ture. i don't even know why But hopefully this time around, because of the pedigree of this new defensive line coach, you hope that some of these guys will be in better positions going forward. And some of these guys are going to get more playing time and they get put in the right positions at specific times. Hopefully now we'll be a little bit more fresh. And at the end of games, that pass rush finally will actually help our defense win games and finish them out.
1: I mean, just look at the quarterbacks you're going to have to play this year and tell me that's why my argument is this was the most important thing because you're playing against elite quarterbacks in the AFC, right? Mm -hmm. So in my mind, you got to get pressure. If you want to stay in those games, you got to get consistent pressure on the quarterback well, and that's
2: why Matt Ryan's my number 1 because if uh, you, you can't if you if you go in, if you walk into every matchup that you play against and your quarterback is the underdog in every single matchup which i mean if we're being honest if Carson Wentz or any of our uh, uh undrafted guys or uh drafted quarterbacks or free agent guys or whoever we would have signed came in into that situation We would have been in a bad spot from the beginning, but now with Matt Ryan, you feel confident that almost every game you walk into, whether or not Matt Ryan is the better quarterback is not the problem here. What the difference is, is that you feel more confident in Matt Ryan's ability to run the offensive system and to not be, uh, and also in probably the last five games of the season, probably won't throw for under 150 yards every single game in the last five games. That's what uh, Matt Ryan brings to this team now.
1: Okay. Here's my rebuttal to that. Okay. Carson Wentz can have virtually a perfect game in Baltimore and they still lose because they can't stop anything. Right. That's my rebuttal. But I'm also thinking
2: of the terms of, you know, Yannick Yannick, uh, that was one game specifically. and, And I get that. Sometimes you have those outlier games, but down the stretch, we saw what was the real problem with Indianapolis, and that was the quarterback situation. And I think that's why Matt Ryan's my number one because, yeah, the defense lost us some games last year because of the inefficient pass rush. But at the end of the day, quarterback is the most important one. You've got to have somebody that can take over in those games when it really matters. We didn't have that last year. This is the year we might actually have.
1: All right. Well, we're going to disagree. We're going to agree to disagree because I could come up with a thousand more arguments (laughs) on why I think Yannick is more important. But I mean, not to say obviously quarterback is the most important position in sports, but also with how bad the pass rush has been. I just look at this and I'm like, boom, that is an immediate upgrade. Like I know Carson Wentz, you know, that the Matt Ryan Carson Wentz upgrade. But from what you had, I mean, Carson Wentz, he wasn't a terrible quarterback, right? He wasn't like great, but he wasn't terrible. Now, pass rush last year was literally bottom of the barrel when it came to mm-hmm. win rate and all those things. And to go from that to getting a Yannick Ngakwe, to me, that, that margin from Wentz to Ryan, while it is decent, I think the margin from that to going from a freaking Al-Qadhi Muhammad to a Yannick Ngakwe is just so much wider. That would be my will, uh, my argument. I
2: will say that. one last argument to that. Okay. All right. Carson Wentz had a 4.2 QBR rating in Jacksonville in the last game of the season. I will bet right. $1,000 that Matt Ryan does not have one game next year with a QB rating of under 20. I mean, that's, that, that 4.2 was one of the worst QBRs that we have seen in recent memory in the NFL. Matt Ryan is not going to have a game that bad. He might have some bad games. But he's not going to have a game that bad. So that's why I think the wide margin there, especially against a bad team like Jacksonville, Matt Ryan's not getting a 4.5 QBR, okay? I, I, I'm i just saying that right now.
1: All right. Well, then I guess you're going to blame Carson Wentz for allowing Trevor Lawrence to basically be perfect and look like the number one overall pick because you literally couldn't touch him.
2: Oh, I, I totally agree with you on that. But I also think that there were many times down the end of the stretch where Carson Wentz throwing interceptions. Again, he had he could have been the first quarterback in NFL history to have eight road games and not throw an interception. When it comes to uh, that, again, you could have easily, with Jonathan Taylor in that group, could have went into the Raiders and could have went into uh, Jacksonville and could have won that game. But nope, it, it was one of the worst performances that we had seen. So... But hopefully you guys enjoyed. Thank you guys again so much. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. And as always, go Colts.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.